is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 13 through to the end of the chapter, and that may be found on page 1188. 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning at verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so... We will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Have you ever heard these words? We've come together to thank God for the life of our dear friend to mourn and honour her, and to support one another in grief. We face the certainty of our own coming death and judgement, and we hear the certainty that those who fall asleep in Christ share eternal life with him. These are the words you may have heard at the beginning, at the beginning of a funeral service. Today, we face the certainty of our own coming death and the certainty of the death of those we love. And we hear the extraordinarily good news that in the face of this certainty, We have hope. Firstly, do not grieve like the rest who have no hope. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Paul here makes a very big claim that the the rest of mankind have no hope. Is this true? Before the gospel of Jesus came to the people of the first century, it was most certainly true. They had little idea of life after death. You may have seen these letters on a tombstone, R.I.P., Rest in peace. 
In the Roman world, you would see these words in Latin. Non fui, fui, non sum, non curo. Please excuse my, my Latin, I have none. It means I was not, I became, I am not, I care not. Without hope. Today, many people live without hope. They live without hope in life and they live without hope in death. I remember very clearly being in a Christian funeral service, but the man who has died, his brother was giving the eulogy and he made it very clear that he did not believe there was any life or hope after death, even for his brother. He said the only immortality that is possible is in our memories. And so he very deliberately shared with us some very personal, unique memories of his brother that no one else knew, I think. He wanted to share them with us because he was conscious that one day he too would be gone and someone needed to keep the memories. Otherwise, his brother would be gone. It was very moving. I wanted to think that that would give hope. But I have to be honest, I cannot remember one of the memories. They completely gone from my mind. And one day, every person who was at that funeral service probably will not have shared those memories with anyone else because they can't remember, and they themselves will be gone. Gone and forgotten. Perhaps you have been, like me, to a secular funeral service. People want to have hope. They say words like these, Death is nothing at all. I've only slipped into the next room. I've simply travelled to the far shore. It is seemingly a hope, but it is vague and it has no basis. The rest of mankind has no hope. And not just subjectively, objectively without hope. To the world that says, I am not, I care not, once I am dead, the gospel came. And the gospel said, and the Thessalonians welcomed it, they welcomed the message and turned to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. For his son from heaven who rescues us from the coming wrath. For the rest of mankind... Has no hope. To the Thessalonians who have welcomed the word, they have hope. But it seems that some of them have died already. It's only been a few months. Perhaps some of them have died of natural causes in that time. More likely, I think, some of them have died because they've been persecuted. And so they are no longer waiting, it seems. They have missed out, it seems, because the sun from heaven has not returned and they are not still here. Will they miss out? The Thessalonians are asking. Paul says, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no 
What is it that they need to know? Point two, do not grieve without hope for those who sleep because they are alive with Jesus now. We have another, a number of euphemisms for death. They have passed on. They are no longer with us. In the ancient world, they have fallen asleep. That was the non-Christian euphemism. It sounded better, but it did not convey any hope. It was like in the French Revolution when they put up signs at the cemetery saying, death is an eternal sleep. Sleep that does not end. The Christians, the Apostle Paul, they adopt this euphemism and they give it a new meaning. It's not that they can't say the word for death. Verse 14, Paul says that his precious Lord, the Lord Jesus, died. He can say the word. But sleep is the right word for Christians. For when Christians sleep, it does them no harm. Where, O death, is your sting? It is good for them. They are now with the Lord and freed from their decaying body. And it is not an eternal sleep. Like sleep, it is temporary. They will wake up. But there is one way that it's better than sleep, I believe. When you sleep, you are not aware of where you are, are you? You could be anywhere. But when Christians sleep, they sleep somewhere with someone, verse 14. They have fallen asleep in him, in Jesus. They are with Jesus, you can tell, because God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. That's why Jesus says to the criminal beside him on the cross, Today you will be with me in paradise. Paul says, I desire to depart and to be with Christ, for it's better by far. We desire to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ, from our perspective, they are asleep. But for them, they are very much awake with Jesus. When someone we love has died, we rightly ask the question, where are they now? If you've ever seen or been with the body of someone who has died, they look like they've gone, don't they? Where are they now? If they're in Jesus, they have only fallen asleep. They are alive with Jesus now. So do not grieve like those who have no hope. But yet there is more. Do not grieve without hope for those who sleep, for God will bring them with Jesus then. Verse 14. For we believe that Jesus died and will rose again and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those 
who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. A few years ago, I was part of a great coming. I was staying in the city. I'd gone for a jog around the botanic gardens, around the opera house, and I noticed that there were barricades around the opera house. Something was coming. But what was it, I wondered. And then I noticed a couple of young girls with signs, handmade signs, saying, We love you, Harry. We love you, Megan. And I understood who was coming. I kept running and I messaged my daughter, who was a fan. And I went to the 21st floor of the building, to the balcony, and I took a selfie with Harry and Meghan clearly in the background. But this is the coming. Not a prince and an American actress from England. The Lord himself will come down from heaven. You will not miss it because you weren't watching TV or you weren't a royal watcher or you were not in the right place at the right time. No, verse 16, there will be a loud command, the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God announcing his judgment and his deliverance will sound. There will not be thousands of fans on the street. There will be millions of the dead in Christ rising from the dead. And those who are still alive will be caught up with them to meet the Lord. This is the coming. It is hard to picture, isn't it? I have lots of questions about how all of that is going to work. I want more details. But Paul says this is what you need to know. If you know this, you are not uninformed. You know what you need to know. God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. The dead in Christ, that's them, will rise first. And, verse 17, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Those who have fallen asleep will not miss out. So do not grieve like those who have no hope. But yet, There is still more. Do not grieve without hope for those who sleep, for together we will be with Jesus forever. The coming will be extraordinary, but it is not the climax. Verse 17. We who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so... We will be with the Lord forever. Do you know that Harry and Meghan didn't even say hello to me? And I have not heard from them since. But when the coming happens, the Lord of the universe, we will be with the Lord forever. The Lord who we love now but do not see We'll be with him. And because he is the Lord, there'll be no more sin or suffering or grief. And not only that, 
you will be with the Lord if you are in Christ, but you will be with one another. The dead in Christ will rise first, and those that are left will be together with them. We will be with the Lord forever. In the middle of the pandemic in 2020, Queen Elizabeth made the last of her five special broadcasts. In the pain of the separation of lockdown, she had a simple message. We will meet again. And God wants the Thessalonians to know. He wants us to know that when we grieve the separation of death, we will meet again. Those who are alive with Jesus now and those who are still waiting when he returns together, we will be with Jesus forever. So do not grieve like the rest of men who have no Is all of this just wishful thinking? When someone you love has died, even the hardest atheist longs for them to be in a better place, longs to meet again. Someone shared me once a very personal, intimate moment. Their loved one had died just a few weeks before. And as they were dying, they said to them, Please, after you have died, send me a sign to let me know that you are okay. Send me a sign that I'll, I won't miss and is clearly from you. Send me a bird in an unusual way, they said. Sure enough, a few weeks after they died, a bird came in an unusual way and they felt assured that the person they loved was okay. To be honest, I didn't really think that gave any assurance whatsoever. God has given a much better sign. Verse 14. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. In him, Jesus promised that he would die, that he would die to rescue us from his wrath and he would rise to defeat death, and he did. And so those who believe that he died and rose again are united with him. So when they die, they sleep in death and God will bring them with him. When Jesus returns, they are united with with Jesus. This is not wishful thinking. This is not make sure you die contentedly and at peace so you go up, not suddenly and in distress so you remain on earth somehow. This is not make sure your descendants pray for you and offer sacrifices because that is your only hope. No. God has acted in history. He has given the sign. It is not wishful thinking, but certain. Do not grieve like the rest who have no hope. You have a certain hope. 
But what difference does all of this make? Thirdly, how to grieve with hope. Let me say very clearly that you still grieve. I heard of a minister once, I don't know if this is true, at the end of every funeral as he walked out of the church, he'd whistle happily because he wanted to convey that there was no need to grieve. We wouldn't do that, would we? But sometimes when someone has been grieving for a few months and we are feeling over it, we expect them to be over it. As a friend of mine said to me, whose son had died suddenly at 26, you never get over it. You just learn to live with it. Now you still grieve. You grieve for yourself. The loneliness, trying to cope on your own. The unresolved relationship sometimes. Wondering who you are now that they are gone. The feelings are just as strong. And they go on for just as long. And if the person who died was not a Christian then it makes it even harder, grief. You still grieve for yourself, but you do not grieve for them. I remember very clearly a good friend of ours, Bronwyn died at 48 from pancreatic cancer. And the minister said something very gutsy. Do not grieve for her, even though she had four children and was still young. Do not grieve for her. She now has a better body. She is in a better place. And frankly, she has a better husband. Do not grieve for her, but grieve for yourself. As we face our own death, your life is traveling past you, you are getting older, you can't do what you used to do, or you are facing a terminal illness, you still grieve, but you grieve with hope for the best is always still to come. If you are not yet a Christian, if you do not yet believe in Jesus, if you do not yet have this hope, can you see? How good it would be to have this hope. Sometimes people are very clear and keen and sure to leave a good inheritance for their spouse or their children. What better gift could you give them than for them to know that you are with Christ and they will meet you again? What better gift than for them to grieve with hope? What should we do with this information that Paul has given us? Verse 18. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Paul says, not just to the teachers of the Thessalonians, he says to everyone in the church, he says to everyone of our church, encourage one another. So when someone has lost someone they loved, or they are losing them, Cook them a meal, listen to them, hug them, weep 
with them. But please read them, these words. When someone is depressed about growing old, about their life passing, empathise and reminisce with them. But remind them of these words. And when someone's life is going brilliantly, and as far as they know, they have another 50 years to go, encourage them with these words, because there is something much better than those 50 years. What could you say after the service this morning? Who could you send an email to or make a phone call to or send a card? Do not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Jesus died, he rose. He will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in him and we will be with the Lord forever. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for showing us this morning that without Jesus, we are without hope. Our Father, we thank you this morning for this wonderfully good news that we can grieve with hope because the Lord Jesus died and rose and is coming again and will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in him. So, Father, please, please strengthen us as we grieve. Father, if we do not know this hope, Father, give us an urgency to find it. And Father, help us to encourage one another with these words. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.